Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode number 94 of the Church Leadership Podcast. We are thrilled that you have joined on today's episode, and it is going to be an awesome one. You're going to be excited uh, to hear this conversation. Before we get to that content, though, let me remind you to go on and subscribe to our podcast. Now, if you're listening on, you know, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or anything like that, there's an easy way for you to subscribe. Just go through that app and subscribe. Uh, you may be watching or listening online on our website, or you may be on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and I would encourage you to hit that little bell. That way, you'll get a notification every time there's a new episode. We don't want you to miss a single episode, a single conversation. If you're new to our podcast, we're so glad that you're on board, and uh, we encourage you to go back and listen to the archives. Uh, lots of episodes as we gear up and prepare prepare for episode number 100 wow. and that celebration, One hundred. Uh, six episodes away. You'll hear more about that as we get closer to that. Also, we want you to rate our podcast. That helps us get the word out about the podcast. You can do that at ratethispodcast.com slash CLP for Church Leadership Podcast. Now, here is today's conversation. Wow. I can't tell you how excited I am to have this week's guest join us on the podcast. My great friend, Wayne Cordova, is going to be joining us. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him and then allow him to share his story in just a minute. But we're going to be talking about something today that may be one of the most practical things, yeah. most needed conversations that we've had on the podcast uh, to this point. And it's something that a lot of church leaders might tiptoe around or altogether avoid. That's right. We're, we're going to talk about something today. I'm, I'm giving you a teaser. I'm not going, to, right. not going to tell you what it is just yet, but uh, my friend Wayne, he serves with uh, an organization there in Florida called Ability Tree. He's also served in the local church for a long time. Not going to tell you how long, but long enough. He's uh, recently served at, uh, at Cross Point Church there in Spring Hill, Florida. Served all kinds of roles in the local church from being a student pastor to executive pastor and and teaching pastor, all kinds of roles he's had there, but he, his favorite role, I think, is being husband and dad uh, to Tina and Emily. So, Wayne, thank you for joining us, and I'm just going to let you go ahead and begin by introducing yourself, telling a little bit about your story, yeah. and and filling us in on what we're going to be talking about today. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, thanks for uh, for having me on. Um, this is uh, this has been a dream come true. I've been listening to you guys uh, for uh, for a while, and uh, leading into episode 100. Congratulations, because a lot of podcasts don't make it to 100. I think when you get to 100, you reach like Seinfeld status, and uh, you know nobody can touch you guys. Like that's how it works. So it's it's probably a it's thousand cool. for us. But yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, my name is Wayne Cordova, and uh, first and foremost, I am Tina Cordova's husband, and uh, of of 18 years soon. So it's uh, wow. that's gonna be really cool. And then I am the proud dad of a 10 year old girl named Emily. And uh, Emily has uh, some special needs and some disabilities. Uh, she was diagnosed at two months old with uh, epilepsy. And then a few months after that, she was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And let, let me t- both of them are just the light of my life. They're just amazing. And we have been in this church ministry journey since, you know, day one of our marriage. And so it, it's been kind of interesting to, to navigate, you know, getting married 
having, uh, you know, Andy and I were at each other's wedding, we're in each other's uh, weddings. Yep. And so, you know, that's how, that's back how when far we both back. had hair, by the way, Wayne, that's how long ago. Well, that's been, so. <laughs> that, that was my number one prayer request for the longest time. God, please let me just have a shred of hair to comb on that day. You can take it all afterwards, <laughs> but just on that day, let me comb some. And he, he, he answered my call and then he gave me a daughter and he removed it all. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that, that's how it goes for me. You know, but, you know, I've, I've been doing you know, church ministry since my freshman year of college. I mean, I had been working as an intern that first summer out of my high school career, you know, and then from there I'd served as a youth pastor and uh, my first full-time job in ministry out of college was as uh, a, a youth pastor at, at a local church. And it wasn't long after that, that I fell in love with actual church planting. Uh, I started really paying attention to, you know, uh, church planters and the journey that they were on and really kind of catching that fire uh, because I love the gospel and I love the local church and I love really kind of, you know, seeing people come to new life and having a place where they can grow that new life, you know? And, and, and so I was, I was so pumped about church planting, even in my early years of youth ministry, that, when I took my final position in student ministry, I specifically applied at a church that was a relatively new church. They were a church plant. And in my interview, I even told the pastor, I'm called to be a church planner and I want to learn under you. I want to spend this time loving and serving your students and your families. Um, but I really do want to spend my extracurricular time with you and disciple, getting discipled from you. And, and just to really kind of hear what the whole process is like, really like the nitty gritty of church planting, like the real stuff, you know. And so uh, he, I, that's where I was serving at Community of Hope Church down in Royal Palm Beach, Florida. And uh, Dale Locke is the pastor there, and he's still there. And um, just what a great church that was and a great place to learn under. And it wasn't long after that, a few years of serving as their, as their student minister, that we really kind of felt the call to start a church. And Tina and I were married. We were newlyweds at the time. And experiencing this call, we, we took this big giant leap to, you know, to, to begin this process of, you know, where do we go? Where do we serve? God, where, where do you want us to be? Uh, it was kind of one of those things where it was jump first and look later. <laughs> and we, <laughs> I, I'm familiar we with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we did. So we just kind of said, okay, well, we're going to figure it out. And let's, let's pray and, and figure out where it was. And what had happened was a, a friend of mine who was planting a church up in uh, the Spring Hill, Florida area, it's like about 45 minutes north of Tampa, he had uh, called me up and said, hey, you know, God's really called me to, to plant a church up here, and he's told me to ask you to come and join me in doing this. Would you consider praying? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I don't want to consider praying about this. I don't want to go up there. I, I think God wants me where I'm at in, in, in West Palm Beach. It's a beautiful place. We already live here. All my stuff is here. And over the course of that time, I said no about two or three times before finally I had in that time been kind of pulpit filling and been speaking yeah. at different churches. And uh, I had preached this one message specifically about Abraham being called to go in a place where, you know, he did not know. And I, I, I you know, you guys get that feeling where you're like, man, everybody's really connecting with this message. This is great. I really hope somebody gets something out of it. I get off of that from the stage. And I always go to my wife, who's this, you know, compass of mine that tells me whether or not I did a good job. And I look at her and she goes, so are we moving to Spring Hill now? Oh, wow. <laughs> I went, oh, no, 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 no. You weren't supposed to have this message. Yeah. That's <laughs> for, this is for everybody else. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's where I ended up. So, you know, we ended up packing and selling everything wow. and moving to, to Spring Hill, Florida about 13 years ago. And we started a church called Cross Point Church, where I learned my first leadership lesson in church ministry, which was we had this pie in the sky view of this is a bunch of friends. So it was like three friends, three buddies starting a church together. And we got it in our heads that it was like, oh, no, listen, we're going to do this whole team pastor thing where the three of us are in charge, where we're all, you know, we're all the lead pastor. And a few months into it, God had said something to me. He said, a three-headed anything is a monster. And I took that message, came back to the next meeting, and I brought what was called an org chart. And (laughs) And I brought this and I said, hey, let's make some changes. Let's make you the lead pastor because this is your home and God really called you to plant here. God's really gifted me in the area of ministry and leading some teams. Let's do that. God's gifted you in the area of small groups. Let's put you there. And as soon as we readjusted things, we started seeing lives come to Christ, people growing in their faith, the church beginning to grow. And it was just amazing what happened when we started to put some things into order. A few years into, you know, being this church planter, we uh, finally decided to start a family. And as we begin to start this family, um, we had, you know, we got pregnant with Emily and everything was great in this pregnancy until about- Wayne, I hate to correct you on this, but yeah. I don't think, I don't think we got pregnant. I think Tina got pregnant. <laughs> just saying. Just, just, if just you saying. saw the size of my belly, you would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you want to eat? I want to eat too. And then, yeah. you know, it just happened. Her belly went away. Mine never did. So it's <laughs> crazy how that works. Man. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, like about a month into a month left in our pregnancy, we got a, uh, a call from the doctor that said, hey, I don't really like what I'm seeing in the ultrasound. Nobody wants to hear that. No parent ever wants to hear that. You know, we have this perfect vision of what the pregnancy is going to look like, a perfect vision of what having a child is going to look like. And here we go into this mode of, hey, let's send you to a specialist. We go to a specialist and they say, we don't know what, but we think Emily is going to have some kind of special needs. And from the get-go, before day one, we get this big question mark stamped on our family, our child, and, and what's going on with her. Well, soon after Emily was born, uh, we had a 30-second family photo and we, she got put on, 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 on Tina's chest. And when I leaned in, we took a picture and then they put her in this little incubator and whisked her away to the neonatal ICU. And they grabbed my hand. They said, come on, dad, you're coming with us. And I started running with the nurses up to the, the NICU. I said goodbye to my wife. I said, I'll, I'll see you soon. I hope. And we went up there. They started, you know, connecting Emily to all these wires and all these things just to kind of test her and check her out. One of the things that we've learned over the years with Emily is that she has become our hero in a lot of the stories that we tell. And it starts on that day one, because when I look at her with all those wires, right away, I said in the NICU, hey, you kind of look like Iron Man. And because uh, she had all these things attached to her and, and, you know, we, she was screaming and she was just crying so hard. And finally, I said, Emily, it's okay. Dad's here. And she immediately stopped crying. And I tell people that I usually use that as an illustration of what it means when we finally hear the father's voice and we could recognize the father's voice and, and it brings peace to the situation. Because the whole time I'd been talking to Tina's belly for all these months, my prayer had always been no matter what, you know, we, we want the peace of Christ to be on this home. In fact, 
my daughter's name, Emily, is spelled E-M-M-A-L-E-E, -E, uh, which literally means peaceful home. And so wow. when, I, when I did that, we, she instantly you know, quieted down. And at that moment, we started trying to get answers. Two months later, she had her first seizure. She was diagnosed with epilepsy. A few months after that, she was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And you know, we started realizing, okay, now we know what we're working with. Now we know, uh, you know what we got to do and, and, and take the next steps into that. And that's kind of where we were. I found myself, I'm a pastor at a church. You know, my wife is heavily involved in our worship ministry and our kids ministry. Um, but now all of a sudden, you know, we find ourselves with a child with special needs and we kind of felt like, are the brakes about to, you know, pump now? Or are we, are, are we in a, in a holding pattern here? And, and really we were kind of like, God, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing now. Right. Uh, and, and it was kind of wild because, you know, for a while she was, she was okay because she was a baby. So she'd still, you know, get involved in um, our, you know, kids ministry when it comes to like nursery and she'd go to the nursery and, uh, you know, we, we developed an interesting relationship out of that. There was this one young lady who uh, became a really close friend of ours. Her name is Diana and Diana was working in the, in the nursery. And uh, I, I remember one, our first day of kind of dropping off Emily there was she'd already been, you know, around for a few months. And finally we got up the nerve to take her to the nursery at the church. And my wife goes, um, uh, if she has a seizure, call me. <laughs> and, and, and she was like, wait, what? And, you know, and, and it was like, that's, that's all we got right now. We don't have any answers. We don't have anything else, but if she has a seizure, just call us. And, and, you know, and, and that's basically kind of like what happened for a while. As Emily got a little bit older, we really kind of didn't know, um, what to do, you know, as far as church goes. Eventually, we were at a mode where uh, if I was preaching, Tina wasn't coming to church uh, because I was too busy. Or if Tina was singing, I was way late to church because I was, you know, taking care of some things. And before we knew it, we found ourselves not attending church together. Uh, we found ourselves not even uh, kind of being a, a family there because we were so much a, a tag team. Hey, tag, you're it, you're inside, or hey, tag, you come, you take care of things. Until finally, that same woman, Diana, who is now, you know, just part of our family, uh, she, she approached us and she said, hey, um, I'm already volunteering in kids ministry. And how's about if I just be Emily's volunteer? What if I just serve as her buddy? What if I, you know, just am only just with her and mm. I bring her into the kids ministry and let her participate and play and worship and, and do everything while you two attend church together mm. and it was a game changer for wow. us Amen. and at first it just kind of started off as a friend doing a favor and after only a few weeks of doing this we started thinking why don't we do this for more families why don't we actually create a special needs ministry that's not a special needs room that's not a, a special needs class but rather an inclusive experience for families so that they can worship worry and distraction free while having their child fully included in a church uh, setting in a children's ministry setting where they can worship and learn and participate in small group and in games and make friends. And at the same time, maybe educate some of the other children that are around them that everybody's kind of different, but God makes each of us special. 
And it was at that point where we started doing, before we knew it, we, were, we started doing a special needs ministry called the Buddy Ministry at our church. Um, that's kind of like how, how things really began to grow when it came to special needs ministry for us, you know, at, at that place. Before we knew it, we were serving over two dozen families, about 24 families uh, that all had children of special needs in different ways. Some had physical disabilities, some had, uh, you know, uh, behavioral, you know, uh, disabilities, some had other, you know, disabilities you just can't see, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe, you know, one child on the um, autism spectrum could be completely different than another child on the autism spectrum. And so we didn't kind of put anything in a corner and say, you know, this is what this looks like, but rather what we did was we started engaging each family according to what needs they had. And so before we knew it, families would ask us, well, you know, can you serve a child with a, with a trach? And we would say, are you comfortable with us serving a child, uh, your child with a trach? And they would say, sure. They would teach us what to do. And before we knew it, we were serving their child. Uh, hey, are you comfortable with wheelchairs? Way comfortable with wheelchairs. Are you comfortable with this? And before we knew it, rather than kind of putting parents in a corner saying, hey, we only serve this kind of child, or if they have a special need, it's only this type of special need, we began to realize that the population around us looks really different and is so diverse that if we just kind of said, God, we're ready for whatever it is that you want us to to do and serve and how, that's who came. Those families started coming. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really neat experience where it was kind of like, you know, now before we knew it, when people would show up to our town and they would say, you know, we're looking for a, a church to attend, but, you know, our child has cerebral palsy or our child has epilepsy. We're not sure. People started popping up and saying, oh, you got to go to Crosspoint. You got to go here, you know, because kids are, you know, everybody's welcome there. And it was a really neat experience for us to really begin to, I would not have known to even do that if, I didn't have Emily. We, the position, I always say this to folks, whenever I go and speak somewhere, if I go speak at a church or whatever, I, I always talk about how uh, I wear glasses, but God changed my prescription the day Emily was born. Cause I see the world in a completely different way now. And it's just one of those things where when we begin to see things and I go, you know what, everywhere I go, every entryway I walk through every uh, sound experience that I it, it encounter I always put it on with the lens of, can my daughter be welcome here? Can my daughter be included in what's going on in this experience? Is this really accessible? And I'm not just talking about ramps and railways and that kind of thing, but is this the really accessible experience for all kids? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, to, to a further extent, all teens, all adults, is this something that is the church really something that everybody can truly be a part of. Is it really, when you put the sign in front of your church that says no perfect people allowed, do you really mean that? Like, are you really equipped? I had a buddy named Nick. Nick is a uh, adult with Down syndrome. And Nick, every, I, I, listen, I don't know why, but he was my biggest fan. I don't know why he, for some reason, you know, loved it when I preached, but he just did. You know, could, could I, as a speaker, really handle somebody in the crowd who got really excited when I came out and really whenever I'd walk out and, you know and I'd say good morning was the loudest person in the room to say you know good morning pastor Wayne right if 
I have another buddy of mine. I have, you know, I have a lot of friends who are adults now with, with you know, with, you know, with special needs. And I have another buddy of mine with CP, for cerebral palsy. And uh, he, I don't know why, Andy, you could explain this to me. He thinks I'm the funniest guy alive. I don't know why. But he also feels the need to tell me I'm funny in the middle of my message in front of everybody <laughs> in the auditorium, you know? And, uh, you know, can we really handle that as pastors and as preachers? Are we really, really in a position to say, everybody's welcome, no perfect people allowed, and to really, truly mean that. And it was one of those things where I started getting the glimpse of, I would never have been in this mindset if I wasn't a parent of a child with special needs, uh, but I'm so glad that I am, not just for the sake of my own child, but for the sake of the fact that we ha- now we have families that can all experience the same thing, the welcomeness and the openness of a church that's truly inclusive. Uh, well, Wayne, that is, that, I mean, that is... That is a beautiful story and testimony of God's grace to accept what God has given you as a blessing and as an opportunity, not just to try to, well, we're going to endure this, but to really receive that as, as a blessing and opportunity yeah. and a gift. I mean, Emily's beautiful, and I love to see Facebook posts of her communicating with you <laughs> through her means that uh, technology has allowed her to do that. And your heart for ministry and Tina's heart for ministry, that really transitioned from not just in the local church, but you act, you guys actually are part of an organization there in Florida. Can you give us in just the, the, yeah. the real quick rundown of what you guys do there with yeah. Ability Tree? Yeah, well, and I'll tell you what, th- I mean, thanks for saying that that's, that that's an encouraging message, because I got to tell you, on the flip side of things, it's just like it's just like being a Christian, right? We, we know the truth of God, but we don't always feel like it. <laughs> and so it's in that same way where I know that I, I know the truth of God. I know that God, you know, has a very special plan laid out for us that, you know, we're the perfect people for Emily, but being Emily's dad is really hard. Being Emily's mom is really hard. And one of the biggest issues with that is it's very lonely. Mm-hmm. It's very lonely being a pastor it's very lonely being in leadership. Now, add on top of that, you're a pastor and you're in leadership and your child has a disability that doesn't make her like every other child on your staff. And so what ended up happening was I have, you know, as a parent, I no longer could relate to my other friends that were dads. Uh, their kids are going to karate and gymnastics. Their kids are uh, you know, getting great grades at school, their kids are, you know, the, the long list, right, of everything that they want to, you know, um, you know, brag about their child. Um, my child took her first independent steps a couple of years ago in a physical therapy situation. So nobody else in my friendship circles could, you know, relate to that. And the, her growth pattern wasn't the same, or the way that she was progressing in her milestones is not the same as anybody else. So what I end up facing as a parent of a child with special needs was a lot of loneliness and isolation. So out of that loneliness and isolation, I started saying, I would like to have some friends that really understand where I'm coming from. And I did what everybody else does when they look for friends. I turned to the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And so I literally, I, I reached out to, there was, you know, sometimes in, on, you know, in Facebook and Instagram, we follow pastors that we don't really actually know, but we just kind of follow them because we, you know, we've heard their teaching at a conference or something like that. Well, I had this one guy that I was following on Instagram that I didn't know all that well, but I did know that they had a child with a disability. So I reached out and I even just, I just kind of 
on instant messenger said, you know, Hey, I'm looking for other pastor friends with kids with disabilities or special needs. And he said, Oh man, have you heard of, and he started naming off like a couple of other people that he knew. I said, no. And so, you know, we started kind of getting connected. So what ended up happening was a friend of a friend of a friend (laughs) reached out to me and said, have you met Joe Butler? And I said, no, I haven't met Joe Butler. Who's this? And Joe Butler is a missionary, lives in uh, Salome Springs, Arkansas, and he runs a ministry called Ability Tree. Mm. And I said, no, never, never heard of him. Let me, let me reach out. So I reached out to him. I kind of did a little bit of Facebook stalking. I started looking at his you know, pictures and all this. And so I, I, I look at, I reached out to him. I said, hey, Joe, um, my name is Wayne. Let me tell you a little bit about my daughter and all that. I'm just looking to connect with other dads with children with special needs. But I, and I kind of skipped the friendship part because I said, I noticed that you run this really cool ministry. Tell me about it. And so he said, well, we run a ministry called Ability Tree. And we're a, uh, we're a ministry that comes alongside families impacted by disability to provide rest, recreation, education, support, and training. I'm like, well, how do you do that? And he says, well, we do a monthly respite program called Parents Night Out. We do an after-school program that, uh, uh, that allows parents to receive some respite. You know, our, our main focus is Matthew 11:28, where, you know, we just want to provide the rest mm-hmm. that God so richly wants us to have. And as a parent with a child with special needs, we know that it's unique. We know that you don't have time. We know that you don't date. We know that you don't experience things the same way that everybody else does. So we want to be able to do that. And so I started learning about their respite programs. I started learning about their support groups. I started learning about, you know, um, all, all, all their, their workshops and their trainings and everything. And I said, man, this is amazing. And I can't believe that this is just all in Arkansas and just there. So I said to him, I said, what's your affiliate program like? Because we need to start this in Florida. And he was really honest. He said, we don't have an affiliate program. And I'm like, well, you do now. And, uh, <laughs> and so we worked together on, you know, creating a, an affiliate program where, you know, we can have an ability tree in other locations. And so we started ability tree, Florida. We wanted to bring that here. And so we started it much like a church plant, because that's all I know. We started doing monthly parents night out programs. We uh, used a borrowed facility. Uh, The Ark of the Nature Coast is a wonderful special needs focused uh, organization that they partnered with us, allowed us to use their facility. And so for the better part of a couple of years, we were using their facility to do monthly parents night out programs. Then we would go out in the community and build relationships with other um, with other businesses. And so we would do sensory friendly bowling. We would do sensory friendly skating and, uh, you know, all these different kinds of activities. So we would do a monthly program for parents to be able to drop off their children and experience a night off so they can maybe have a date or some peace and quiet or clean the house or whatever they wanted to do with that time. And then we provided an inclusive activity each month for the entire family to experience. The first time we did what we call bowl ability, which is just a sensory friendly bowling. The lights are on and the music's turned down and, and you know, and, and we just kind of, you know, have the run of the bowling alley. We had 130 come just to experience wow. that whole sensory friendly event. And so that was, that was when we kind of got started two years after that, we were able to rent out a facility that we're in right now. It's a 5,600 square foot former gym. It used to be a, an anytime fitness, right? And we have converted it into what we call the rest and recreation center. Hmm. And there we have increased uh, the number of programs. It's kind of funny because because of COVID-19, we actually had to shut down programs as soon as we opened up the facility. 
we shut down for three months. And in that time, we went virtual with some things like we have support groups called Moms Connect and Dads Connect. And, you know, we moved that to online and that was a little bit easier. Our Parents Night Out program uh, is, is all about respite and kids coming to us. So we actually changed that to a virtual program called Kids Night In. And mm. uh, we did a really fun Star Wars themed experience for them online, you know, to, to watch and experience. Three, uh, after three months of being closed, we had to go ahead to reopen, but we had to reduce our population. Because we reduced the population and we, we reduced the capacity, we increased our programs four times over so that we could serve more kids now and more families now. And that's kind of the position that we're in now. We have this facility that we're able to rent and that we're able to use to, you know, to further our, you know, our projects. We have another, um, another ministry that we call Art Ability, which is just an art program for children with special needs and their siblings so that they could come and express themselves creatively, have some great art experiences. We do a camp with that. And all in all, what happens is that it's this inclusive ministry where families can come and receive respite. They can also come and receive inclusive activities that are uh, everybody can participate in. You know, a lot of times I had one family, you know, come to me and say, hey, thank you for doing this bowling event. Never in a million years would I have dreamed of taking my grandchild who has autism to a bowling alley. Just normally his behavior doesn't allow other people to just let him be himself. But because you guys are doing this, uh, we, we feel this freedom of, of allowing him just to be himself and you guys accept him no matter what. And I'm like, well, of course we accept them no matter what. We just want you guys to be able to have a fun place to, to play and know that you're loved and know that you can, um, you, you know, you can not just be you, but you can also, you know, discover who you are because that's the other thing too. A lot of times people put themselves up and they put up these walls, they put up these barriers that they, you know, all they are is on guard. And when you begin to drop that guard, you begin to realize, you know what, this is more than just about behaviors. This is more than just about making sure that my kid is okay and healthy, but we can actually have fun together and we can actually experience a, you know, a, a great time you know, together. And that's kind of where we ended up where, you know, through all this with AbilityTree, we, we launched AbilityTree Florida. We have a second Florida location in the St. Augustine area called AbilityTree First Coast. And that's our desire is to really kind of, you know, have these, you know, multiple locations throughout Florida. We have AbilityTree in New Jersey as well. And, and our desire is really to kind of have this be a ministry that's throughout the country. Uh, yeah. And so that's where we also got into training other churches to have a special needs ministry. We started working with other churches in our area so that, you know, this wasn't just about, uh, you know, is there a room that kids with special needs can go to, but how can you be more inclusive in the rest of your services at church to make sure that you're, you're inviting everybody? Well, I want to, I want to ask about that because yeah, I mean, as you're talking, I'm loving this. I am loving this. And, and I, <laughs> I want to know more. I've got about 25 questions, but I'm going to, I'm going to choose this last one as we close. So as, as pastors, all right, you've been a pastor um, Annie and I are pastors. Obviously, a lot of the listeners and, and viewers of the podcast uh, are in ministry and on staff at church. So I think the reality is, if we're honest, most of us, not all, but most of us serve in churches that are woefully unprepared for a family with a special needs child walking into our worship, uh, walking into our church, walking on campus. And yeah. and if we if we can be a little bit honest and real uh, on this episode, we're, we're embarrassed, uh, because we're not prepared and we want to minister to them and we care for them. We love them, but we don't have 
So if, if somebody's listening today, how could you encourage them to at least get started yeah. down that road and down that path? You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make is taking a look at our current congregation and what it looks like and, and basing whether or not we need to have a, a ministry for families with children with special needs uh, as a priority. A lot of times I had, a, I, have, I had one specific conversation with a pastor that always stays in the back of my head where um, I gave a talk at a ministerial association and talked to them about, you know, all that we do. And then their response back was the opposite of actually what you just said, Mark, because their response back was, well, we don't have any families with children with special needs at our church, so we don't need a special needs ministry. And, uh, you know, with all the love of Jesus I had in my heart, I just responded back, you don't have any families with children with special needs in your ministry because you're not prepared to have them. Right. You haven't, you haven't prepared that harvest. You're not, you're not ready. In Florida alone, there are 388,000 children registered wow. in public schools as having some form of disability. 388,000 in one state. That's not counting children that are homebound, that are homeschooled or in private programs. And so if you think about that, and we think about this in terms of missions, this is the most untapped people group in our country. And it's just an opportunity for us to be able to really reach these families. Because if you want to eliminate barriers, then what you want to just do is kind of just take a look at your service as a whole and say, you know, if you want to be inclusive, take a look at your children's ministry and say, well, you know, what are the elements of the children's ministry that we need to be able to do to make this more sensory friendly, more inclusive? You know, maybe it's as simple as uh, purchasing, you know, uh, noise canceling headphones uh, that you can, you know, literally you can, you can get those so inexpensively, especially, you know, and you guys know this, if you go out hunting or if you go out shooting or something like that, right. You know, you put those on for your own protection while families with, you know, children with you know, different sensory issues, they need those for their protection. And so sometimes they show up, maybe, maybe they don't have their own just by providing some of those, you know, for families who need it, providing, you know, earplugs for families who need it, maybe having a couple of people that are dedicated to learning and growing about, uh, children with special needs and just kind of having them at the ready. One of the things that we also, you know, I always kind of talk about is you may not necessarily know that you have somebody in your church with a child with special needs because they probably don't bring them or they probably, you know, find alternate ways to experience your service. Um, what you probably want to do is, you know, go to a couple of maybe local area, um, uh, uh, you know, whether there are other ministries or they're private, you know, schools or something and just kind of find out, say, hey, how can we best serve you guys? How can we best, you know, it, you know, it, I may not be able to actually get you through the doors of our church, but how can we actually serve you? In fact, that's just a great way overall. Just take a look at your special needs community that's around you. And before you worry about being prepared for them to come in, maybe step out and say, what can we do to help and serve? Um, you know, Imagine the local area that. arc. Yeah. <laughs> I would Go tell you, the you know, the, Go to them, the, the local area arc in, in everybody's community. That's a great place to start because they do some amazing things for adults and children, you know, with special needs. Uh, going around, if you have a hospital, you know, that's nearby that has a, a children's hospital, uh, you know, maybe reach out to them, reach out to their NICU departments on how you could serve the people that serve the people that serve families. Hmm. Figuring out you know, those kind of ways. But in, just, in, just in reality, take a look at, you know, I, I had to change my prescription, right? I view the world a little bit differently. So try and do that on your own, you know, come through your own church and just try and experience what it would be like if you had any form of disability. 
uh, you know, is there anybody with mobility issues? How can they, tra- you know, uh, come through your church? Uh, is every doorway accessible? Uh, do you offer any kind of subtitles if you play a video? Do you offer any kind of sign language interpretation in any of your messages? You know, a lot of times when we take a look at special holidays like this, right? We look at, you know, we're uh, looking at Christmas, we're looking at Easter, we're looking at all these special times. Maybe offer some kind of interpretation and see what happens and begin to make that known in the special needs community. Go and visit therapy centers, go and visit, um, you know, uh, day centers. Now, the thing that we often forget is that we look at children and we go, you know, we just, you know, we don't have any children with special needs in our area. Well, we all have the elderly at our churches in one way or the other. Maybe we could take a look at the elderly, those, you know, those senior saints, right, that have been there for a while, that maybe they begin to kind of have mobility issues or sound issues. And a lot of times we pass it off when they say your music's too loud and we go, ah, you're, you know, you're too old or whatever. You know, we, we, we think that. But then in reality, we realize, you know what, there's probably a lot of people that are experiencing the same things that they're experiencing, but you're not paying attention to it. And it's one of those things where we don't have to, you know, tailor everything, you know, to every single complaint that's out there. But what we could do is take a look at our regular services and say, hey, what are we doing to make things just a slight bit more accessible? Starting things out, you know, with with a children's ministry for kids with, you know, with special needs is a simple way to say, hey, listen, if we care about families, we care about every family. Mm -hmm. So let's figure out a way so that all families can experience worship worry and distraction fee. That's one of the things that we, that, that we do, you know, when it comes to training churches through ability tree is to kind of really kind of help them understand and see, you know, what these goggles look like. We do a lot of different exercises, you know, with them as well to kind of help them see, Hey, you know, uh, is everything truly accessible in the way that you really think it would be, but it, it's just a matter of just walk through the building. A lot of times pastors too, you know, if you've got a, you know, it, it, Hey, you know, your, your youth pastor has been dying to preach. Let them preach on uh, January 3rd and then experience what it's like to attend church as an attender. Show up late, you know, get through the parking lot, try and get through, you know, navigate children's check-in and try and navigate your lobby and really see what it is for everybody to experience that. And can everybody experience that? Hmm. Well, I think what you have done today by sharing your story your experience and encouraging church leaders to really think this way uh, is beyond helpful, Wayne. Absolutely. I mean, you have blessed Mark and I, we're sitting here writing down notes and uh, (laughs) I'm already volunteering you and Mark to do a webinar on this with some church leaders. So, I mean, you don't even know that yet. It's just going to happen. So we're in, man, we're in. So uh, what, what you've talked about today is, is beyond needed. It is, it's, it's fantastic to hear how, like I said earlier, how God has blessed you and Tina with this opportunity that you have fully embraced and used to, to help others. And I'm excited that, uh, people listening today, their, their, their antenna actually may be going up thinking, you know what, it's time for us to address the elephant in the room and do something uh, as a church to minister to families with special needs. Yep. And, and if I could just, you know, just one more thing is that if you're a pastor in any level, if you're a staff member at a church and you're listening to this and you have a child with special needs and you feel like you, you know, one of these things is not like the other, you know, and like when it comes to the rest of your staff, you feel like, Hey, I, I you know, 
Um, I don't experience things the same way that anybody else does. I, you know, church for us is, a, is completely different. A couple of things I just want to encourage you to know is that number one, you're not alone. I mean, you, you truly are not alone. There are other pa- uh, pastors and ministry leaders that are out there that, that serve and serve with everything they've got. And at home, they serve with everything they got. And you are tired and you are exhausted. And I get it. And you're, you're not alone. There are people out there that you could connect with. I did the same thing. I just reached out and I just said, hey, I'm looking for some friends. Uh, and if, if, if I could be that for you as well, I'd be glad to be that for you as well. And then the other thing too is I would really have an honest conversation with your leader, with your lead pastor. I would have a conversation with your staff members. Let them really know and let them in. Let them know what it's like at home. Because a lot of times our tendency is to not talk about our experiences because they're so different than everybody else's. But guys and ladies, let me just tell you, your experiences can be a blessing to others. When I finally opened up about Emily's disabilities and I really started talking about the struggles that we would go through uh, in staff meeting or any other kind of meeting, what I found was I had people that would come alongside us and they would pray with us. And they weren't about pushing us aside. They were about walking alongside with us in this. And I think a lot of times as staff members, we get so lonely and we get so isolated and we do that to ourselves. And, you know, and and if you have anybody on your staff that makes you feel that way, really open up and let them know what you experienced because you might find an ally in your journey. And that's so important. That is. Listen, we we started this episode, Andy, with you talking about how practical this was going to be. And man, it, that, that you just hit, you just hit one point after the other, Wayne, that we can put into practice. And, and so I know that, that this conversation has encouraged and equipped people to lead in local church, specifically those who either are parents uh, with, with children with special needs or just leaders in general, because look, you know, Wayne, you said earlier that, you know, you, you may not have any special needs children in your, we all do. I mean, it, it, that, that doesn't exist. There's not a population in America or a community in America that does not have special needs children within it. And, you know, it's, I'm convicted that if we're not prepared, then it's poor stewardship. So, so thank you so much for joining us. We enjoyed the conversation and, uh, and we, we want to continue to follow up with this conversation for sure, but thanks for joining us. Man, thank you guys for having me. And seriously, anytime uh, I could, you know, just join you guys, man, I, I'd, I'd be glad to. And so just, you know, you know, give me a buzz anytime. And if you're out there and you, and you want to talk to somebody and you want to reach out to somebody, um, my Instagram handle is at Wayne J Cordova. That'll probably be in the, in the show notes there. And if Absolutely. you want, I, I don't, I, I have a Twitter, but like it's, uh, I, I muted everything over the last year. So that's uh, <laughs> a wise, probably good. Thing. <laughs> but well, Instagram I love you, is a lot brother. more fun. Yeah. <laughs> love you too, Wayne, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for putting yourself out here and, yeah. and sharing your story. Yeah. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the church leadership podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.